Hey everyone, welcome to a special edition of the Birth Podcast. I'm Ash. I've been contemplating today how I wanted to communicate to you some of the things that I've been reading, watching, discussions I've been having with various people. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about popularity activism. You see, I've used this phrase before, and I know there might be many names for it, and there are different kinds of people that sort of qualify under this umbrella. But essentially what I'm talking about are those people who, they might put up a nice meme, or a quote, or a scripture, or they might even go to a protest and take some nice pictures. But they do everything to avoid the bullets and bombs of the heart and the hard work that it takes to actually create change, lasting change, radical change. And we can't afford, as white communities, to stay quiet, to put up a nice meme and then never say another word, to not have the tough conversations. We can't afford that anymore. And so we have to do the inner work within ourselves and within our communities and within our relationships to help eradicate those belief systems. Now, I'm touching on something else here as well. So let me sidestep a little bit. One of the most important comparisons that I have seen happening over the course of the past week is the experience between the white and black communities to domestic violence. Recently, a black pastor explained to a white pastor that the black experience was like having the abuser fall to their knees and declare they're sorry in hopes for some relief redemption, but with no intention of doing the lasting work to change. And so the person who's abused then gives them that forgiveness because they don't want the beatings to continue. And he ended this comparison with, sometimes it feels like you just want to get rid of your guilty feelings than actually heal the wounds that you caused. And this was a powerful, powerful statement. Because for anybody who has experienced domestic violence, including myself, we know what that's like. Domestic oppression. So now we take it back up to the societal scale. And we take a look at the narcissism that has run through our society to deny the reality of our black brothers and sisters who have been crying out for change for hundreds of years. I've said before, and I'll say it again, and I'll keep reminding you, enslavement did not end in the 1800s. It just took on a new form and a new name under things like segregation, Jim Crow, incarceration, All of these things have been participants in creating slavery, but a little less noticeable. They're things we can hide. And so we have to look at that, and we have to abolish it, and we have to look within ourselves and begin to really do the work, to roll our sleeves up, to hold space for their grief, for their lamentations, and change the economic system, the policing system, so that together, in confidence, with humility, 
we can join their table rather than feeding them scraps from ours. This is really important. We need to stand closer. And just like in a relationship, we have to have reciprocity in our love story in order for us to be united and equal. And that's what is being commanded and demanded. I go back to the comparison to domestic violence. Because if you have been an oppressor and you remain silent, when you're being given permission to be visible in your shame, when you're being given an opportunity to speak and shift and change, to reconcile, if you remain silent, then you're choosing a path of narcissism and fear. If you have been an oppressor and you justify your abusive behavior through your spirituality, whatever your practice is, whether it's Christianity or New Age or astrology or Buddhism, whatever your practice is, and you use your spirituality to justify abusive behaviors or oppressive behaviors, then you're choosing to value gaslighting and violence over truth and healing. And if you've been an oppressor and you ignore the cries of the oppressed, when you're given the opportunity to evolve into humility, then you're choosing to cling to fragility and injustice. From a personal space to a societal space, we have to understand that when we're being given the opportunity to shift from a mentality of oppression to a mentality of unity, when we're being given the opportunity to do the work, to change our behavior, then we have to take it. If a person who has been oppressed or harmed makes the decision to say, okay, I see that you're truly remorseful for what has happened here. And I believe that you're better than this. And I believe that there's good in you. And I want to work with you and alongside you to make this better for us both, to be equal, to create reciprocity then as the oppressor, we, you, they, should take it. They should take that opportunity. They should get involved with direct action and become what Dr. King called a creative extremist. I love that phrase. He talked about being an extremist for the case of justice and love rather than one of harm and hate. And creative extremist, to me, means that we use the skills that we've been given to participate in the process alongside our brothers and sisters to create a better system, a better future, a better country, a better community, a better living space, to embody that. But we have to do the work in our own homes. We have to do the work in our own friend groups. We have to do the work in our own churches or mosques, 
our own temples, we have to do the work within our workplaces, we have to do the work in the streets, we have to do the work in our love stories, we have to do the work. We have to be a participant. And being silent is a violent reminder that we don't give a shit. We don't give a shit if we don't speak out and then take that speaking out and turn it into direct action. It's okay to listen. We should be listening. We should be learning. And I would encourage white communities to listen and learn and take those opportunities with your black brothers and sisters to have the uncomfortable conversations, but then turn around, speak out, and then act, <clears throat> and then act. excuse me, act. Act on what you've learned, act on what you know, because once you know something, you're responsible for it. Once you know something, you have a power. Then you're responsible to take that superpower and do something with it. You can't just put up the meme or the hashtag. That's the popularity activism. That's what makes you look good and get the outside validation. Dr. Romney Dervasala calls this communal narcissism. And he's sure, sometimes it looks good to have some communal narcissism, putting out the word. The corporations, the NFL saying, okay, Black Lives Matter, we made a mistake. Now do the work. Speak out, but let your speaking out be evidence of the work that you're doing. Let your speaking out be evidence of the conversations that you're having. So that it's not just pretty pictures and words. Let your life be a living, a living sacrifice to the cause of love and to the cause of justice and to the cause of healing. Justice is an incorporative word. Justice is a word that is, means inclusion of healing and grief and sometimes consequences and sometimes a path back to wholeness. Ultimately, justice becomes the path of reconciliation, which we're all called to do anyway, within ourselves, within our communities, but especially right now. Social action, joining Black Lives Matter, supporting Black Lives Matter, the sacred act. We can't <laughs> concentrate so heavily on attaining some sense of enlightenment that we miss the very real mystical embodiment of God in the resistance or universe, or divine, or sacred energy, however you identify with that. To justify neutrality in the sake of let's all just be one doesn't really show that you understand oneness at all. See, oneness comes in the process of eradicating darkness and raising up the oppressed. Oneness then is attained through the actionable atonement. Right? Atoning for what has been wrong to make whole and not focusing so much on your divine rightism, your spiritual rightism, your economic rightism, your privileged rightism. And I know that there's people who are grappling with how to do that. It's time we shift the narrative that we won't remain silent, that we will listen and learn, but that we will become creative extremists. Whatever your platform is, if your platform is 
a business owner, if you're a communicator, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, if you're a police officer, if you're a social worker, whatever role you play in society right now, use that role, use that opportunity to create equality, to create space for healing, to create understanding, conversations, to, to be educated and to educate. Our black and brown brothers and sisters are holding space for us to show remorse and to change. And sometimes in relationships, that happens too, where the oppressed person holds space for the oppressor to shift and change their behaviors, to own their betrayal, and work together to move forward, to take on new roles. Esther Perel talks about when you pick a relationship, you pick a role. It's very clear in the societal roles that we've often played with each other, the dance that we've done. So let's change the dance and be willing to open our hearts to a love story that can work, that we see examples of working. I know I've rambled on for a while. I thank you for listening. Please feel free to throw your comments down and... Let's keep talking. May you live and move and have your being. Cheers, friends.